Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. I was always held responsible for my teenage exile to West Virginia. I was 12 or 13 when that part of my life started, the years blur, and living in Toledo with my parents. And my mom ordered me to put dad's clothes in the washing machine. I'd always been taught to check the pockets first, fussed at way too much when I didn't do it carefully. And so I squeezed the pockets of a pair of chinos, felt something hard. I pulled it out, a key, a motel key. They had real keys back then, not cards with a red plastic dangling diamond that said, the mommy in. The mommy in? Yeah. All these years later, and it still sounds sleazy. This is GP Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Lowell McWhite, author of Burnt House. These connected short stories waver between funny and sad, hopeful and despairing. The stories are told from the perspectives of someone from the Talbot family, either Jackie, who's looking back on her life after her parents divorced, or one of her cousins. The well-drawn characters are sometimes charming and sweet, sometimes disturbingly demented. And everything revolves around the fictional town of Burnt House, in West Virginia, where there are few jobs and entertainment is pool at a bar or the weekly showing of an old movie at the library. Many of the characters are trying to escape. Some have no place else to go, and some left but are drawn back to this desolate town. Hi, Nick. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. I'm uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. So you've written five other books. Is Burnt House connected to any of them? And if not, how did you come to write it? You know, I, I like to imagine that all my books exist within the same universe. There's no real connection between Burnt House and the others. You know, I guess they're in the 20th century, late 20th century U.S. Uh, maybe at some point I'll write a bridge between everything else. I don't know. But get a get a giant uh, 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 theory of, 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 of connectedness in my books. But how came to write it? It... it I, most of my previous work had been set in Austin, in Texas, uh, where I've lived since about 1978. But a few years ago, I uh, got a gig teaching creative writing at the local prison, which is a federal women's uh, minimum security prison. And it was sponsored by the NEA. It was a really good program to promote literacy in American prisons. And I got sent out to uh, California for training. And we taught workshops at uh, San Quentin, the state uh, men's prison there. And uh, one of the participants taught at one of the prisons in West Virginia. And my family is originally from West Virginia. I spent a lot of my youth there. And I hadn't been around a West Virginia person in a long, long time. And hearing his voice and his speech patterns and the stories he told just took me back into my childhood in a way. And I began writing Burnt House. So interesting. Just to be uh, upfront, we met in Austin, Texas at the... Texas Book Fair 2019. I was browsing at your table, a bunch of books, and I I don't remember why I chose out of all your books. Why Burnt House? Is it the one that's 
that you thought I'd like the most? Yeah, I think it was. It was it was at that time my most recent, and uh, and I thought you might like it. I did. I liked it a lot. I didn't realize that your protagonist was a teenage girl until the second story. How did you come up with Jackie? Well, she's not a teenager. She's an adult looking back on her childhood, teenage years. So uh, originally I had, uh, there's another character, Mark, who's her cousin. And there, some of, and would be different cousins were alternating telling stories about Burnt House. Uh, I got rid of Mark. I thought he was kind of boring. Uh, I thought his point of view was it, it just, it didn't, it didn't send me that much. And so Jackie takes over all the storytelling in it, including Mark's story. So. Mm-hmm. There were old pictures before some of the chapters. Were the chapters written with you after you looked at the pictures, or did you find the pictures to match the stories you'd already written? I opened up a box and got the pictures out. That's my family. Uh, that's oh, uh, wow. that's my great great grandfather on the cover uh, in his house, his big old house. Uh-huh. Uh, and he he and his first wife had fourteen children, and then she dropped dead. <laughs> that's his second wife with him there. She raised all the fourteen children in that great big house in West uh, Virginia. Yep. Wow, I did not see that coming. That's so interesting. So. Jackie is uh, visiting her grandma in West Virginia, and she's hanging out with her cousin, another cousin. Li- no, it's her aunt, Liza. Yeah. Yep. Liza is a, pre- a pretty important influence on Jackie. Tell us about her. Uh, I think Liza's a lot. She's, uh, um, she's, I think, what, 16, 17 years younger than Jackie's dad. So she's, cl- and she's five years older than Jackie. And so or, she's still five years older than Jackie. So they're more related to each other than with the previous generation uh and there's sort of an alliance against the old people in a way and liza's really unhappy you know, you know she's stuck in this really tiny tiny small town population less than 100 people and it's isolated she's young she wants to do stuff but even when she leaves she always comes back because that's there's this a draw to those hollers and uh, those trees and that silence that is really attractive to a lot of people She's actually a terrible influence on Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and the, the grandmother, Gran, who's Liza's mother, is also a pretty funny character. Why does she surround herself with so much chaos? I, I'm not sure she has a choice. Uh, oh. You know, it's, it's there. She's kind of trapped there, too. She's got this house. She's not going to turn her daughter out of the house for uh, being wild. Uh, her two oldest sons have you know, moved out, moved on. They're not helping anything with around the house, doing anything. So she's sort of left there. I think it's like the second or third chapter, um, uh, uh, July, 1978, July 17th, 1978, where, where, you know, Liza, I mean, uh, Jackie's dad comes back and it's like, he starts cussing around and yelling at people, but you know, he doesn't go out there and mow the yard himself. He doesn't paint the house. Mm -hmm. And so, He's, uh, you know, he's got his life in Ohio, and and uh, and he's trying. He's trying to separate himself really hard from West Virginia, and Liza can't do that. She can't make that uh, uh, cut things off. And poor Grant is just sort of sitting there by herself. Yeah, Jackie also feels at home nearby at her maternal grandparents' grandma and Pap Talbot's house. How do they contra- contrast with her father's mother? Um, 
Well, Pat Talbot is that he's a mean old man, and he really is cruel to everybody in his family, and just yells around. He's just a petty tyrant. Uh, while uh, you know, Grandma is very nice and tries to take care of everything, but really can't. Uh, sort of a sad situation that they've got going on there. So uh, it's Jackie drifts back and forth between both grandparents. Spends most of her time with her uh, paternal grandma, but goes back and forth she just goes back to both houses and they're only you know, half mile apart two miles apart a few of the chapters are about uh peripheral characters in the town but they're always connected somehow to the talbots or to jackie's uh paternal family so for example butchie the shop owner and his wife claudie or ace the house burner yeah so tell us about some of these uh ace the house burner i was also ace the grave robber uh, right. and I, I, uh, the idea for that chapter, I, you know, I'm, I was, I was thinking back about my life in West Virginia. And there was one time I took my grandfather up to a cemetery way back up on top of a mountain where his first wife was buried. Well, that's sort of, I've used, I used that cemetery for old Pap Talbot as well. Uh, I took my grandfather there in real life and there was a groundhog, a woodchuck called some parts of the country had dug a hole into the grave and thrown some bones out. And so I remembered that. And then around the same time, I read an article about uh, Corps of Engineers is putting a dam across a creek, a stream, and making a lake behind it. And there it was a cemetery that was going to be flooded. And so they were going in and moving the graveyard. So they're digging up the graves. And they had a guy from the state of West Virginia there to, to do an inventory of what was in each grave so that buttons, rings, whatever, would be transferred and not lost. And I thought, why aren't there some grave robbers up there doing that? And so uh-huh. I, I took that that bone and I took that article I read about moving moving this moving the cemeteries and those hills are full of old cemeteries. And so I just said, well, maybe Ace is the kind of guy that's going to go out there and and uh, dig up some graves. Um, Jackie tells us a little about how she was viewed as a West Virginian when she lived in Ohio with her parents. And then her parents are really upset that she likes being back in West Virginia because they worked so hard to escape it. Why did it require escaping from? Well, there's there's no real jobs there. Education is not very good. I mean, my parents left. My family's from West Virginia. My parents went to uh, uh, University of West Virginia and then got out as quick as they could. My dad went to college to play football. And... He would have gone back and worked in a coal mine or a lumber camp or something, except he met my mom, who told him he wanted to be a teacher, so he took her advice. Uh-huh. Uh, but they got out. And I think uh, there's a writer named Jesse Stewart, who's not read often very well, but he, he wrote a lot of really good short stories back in the 40s and 50s. And he was a commencement speaker when my mom graduated. My mom told me many times that Jesse Stewart looked out and said, most of you are leaving the state now, uh, even though the state needs you. And my mom felt guilty because her thing was to get out of West Virginia right then. So, so it's pretty common. I mean, the, the you know, uh, I knew many, many people as were up, you know, move to Ohio, get a job in a factory somewhere, save your money, come back to uh, West Virginia and get a house up some holler somewhere and raise chickens and go on welfare uh, or, you know, go on relief in your old age. Uh, uh, so I think the, the, the great West Virginia economic story was leaving the state. Is maybe it still? Is it still like that? I think so. I haven't been back in twenty years. So, but I think it's it's 
as I look around, as I read the, the local papers, there's even less there now than there was. Uh, Google Street come to the, the town where my, my mom grew up in, going through there and seeing our old house. It's collapsed now because nobody, nobody lives in it. It's, it's, it's desolate. And uh, a couple of the old stores are gone. It's, 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 uh, it's a sad place. Wow. I, I didn't realize that. Um, one of your interesting peripheral characters is Mary Eisenhart, who works for Old Man Talbot, and um, she is consistently positive. Let's talk about her a little bit. She's a really fun character. Sure. Uh, you know, and I, I just said, West Virginia's desolate. There's not much going on. But people are actually pretty resilient. And there are people, I knew people like Mary Eisenhart go to church and they help out they're doing they're always just trying to be cheerful and, and help other people and uh, uh and so she's based on a type of person i knew pretty well and there are people like that there and, and she's a church going lady who actually believes some christians don't but she practices and, and is trying to be helpful and cheerful all the time and you know, she's working for old man Talbot, old Pap Talbot, who is mean and angry about the world. She tries to make him happy somehow, just cooking a meal, doing laundry. That's what she can do. She's really, yeah, she's kind of a hero. Yeah, she is. So old man Talbot is really terrible. And he's mean to everybody, but he's incredibly, especially mean to his grandson, Mark. Jackie's uh -huh. cousin. Is this the same Mark who comes up with the idea of robbing graves? Uh, well, he, well, I put that. Mark I put, Sitton, something yeah. like that. So I put the, uh, that observation I had. I gave it to a character of the, uh, the grave that had been dug up by a groundhog. I gave that to a character. So Mark, then Mark's talking about it. Ace overhears him and puts, puts everything together. Yeah, so that's Mark. And, well, he's gotten the, you know, he's take some time off of college to help around the, the farm and the house, but his grandfather's mean to him, just yelling at him the whole time. He's calling him terrible names. He's, he's actually abusive. Why is Mark just taking it? He has no place else to go. right? Uh, and so he has no money, no job. So go back to college. He, he probably will. Uh, uh, and he's got a girlfriend there. So he, he really does sort of want to hang around with her. And so things are a little bit complicated there for him. Yeah. So he kind of gets his revenge a little bit. I mean, it's a small thing, but uh, he wants to have his girlfriend Brandy over. And she's still con she's connected because she's an on-again, off-again friend of Liza, um, Jackie's aunt friend slash friend. So tell us about that time, about what Mark does. Well, uh, you know, the old man's, uh, well, he wants to be alone with his girlfriend and have her come over and it's winter time out, uh, can't go camping or anything, bring her over. The old man's awake. What do you do if that old man's awake? Boom. Put some, uh, uh, I think it was a Valium, wasn't it? I, I, I remember my own pill now. Uh, put some Valium in his hot chocolate. That'll knock him out. And so he doses the old man who goes back off to staggers back off to sleep. Brandy comes over and she's kind of a pensive young woman who 
hopes that Mark, when Mark leaves town, he'll she'll go with him. She hopes. Yeah, it kind of seems like she's with him because she he's a ticket out of town. Yeah, I think uh, that's in large part true. Later on, later on, Jackie's father. I think it's Jackie's father who's about to get divorced from his second wife, from Nancy. And yes. they have a son, Danny Bob. Yes. What are those connections? Will you explain that, the, the connections and who he works for and who Bob is, Mr. Bob, the father-in-law, and explain that. Uh, he works as a, uh, 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 as a used car salesman uh, for his father-in-law, who owns the dealership. And his father-in-law owns some other businesses, too. And he feels kind of stifled in that role. And he's breaking up with his wife, you know, the, the daughter of the boss. And so marriage is, is messed up. Job's messed up. Uh, he's, he's in a kind of a depressed uh, uh, frame of mind. Uh, he's got a son who's 12, 13 at the time, who's depressed about problems with the parents. And how do you deal for your son? Tell him that you're, that you're, you know, getting a divorce. It, so, uh, that's what that chapter sort of deals with. And he's got to drop his son off at his mom's house in burn house, uh, at grand's house to, uh, to park him there while he goes and takes care of business. Yeah. He's basically just parking him. And then in the last story, we're, we're in Bert's house. We're in Grand's house, I think. And Liza, now it's a few years later, and Liza comes by with two of her children. And this is really a heartbreaking story. It, you know, I understood that it's not a novel. So a novel in short stories means that each story is a little gem of its own with the beginning, a middle, and end with something to say, but that overall, it's all revolving around this very dilapidated town with these very, a lot of depressed people or people who are struggling to get out or forced to stay, right? And Liza kind of epitomizes her life has been a shambles. And tell us a little bit about what's going on there with her little girls. Um. I think at this point, Liza's been married four times, and she has two children from different husbands. Um, uh, and she brings them up to the house, and they're, well, one's a little baby crawling and screaming a lot, and the other's uh, running around madly with a butcher knife in its hand. Uh, and to calm them down, uh, she blows marijuana smoke into their face. That's a good, that's, uh, that's a mothering of a sort. Just wondering if that's a real life occurrence that you just put in your book. Uh, I've never seen that, but okay. I imagine it happens. Okay. I imagine it happens. <laughs> I hope it doesn't happen very often. Yeah. yeah. And even the baby, she does it to the baby. Yeah. Wow. That was kind of like a <gasps> pulled me up. To, I think I gasped. I got over it. it was well, really well, well done. the gasp is a good thing. It, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, there's an effect from a reader there. So on, on yes. the reader. So, <laughs> well, when you have a baby getting marijuana blown in, in its face, and then the mother saying it helps them sleep. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Wow, they're, little part, they're party babies. Yes, I guess so. So, Mick, I really enjoyed the book. I'm wondering what you're working on now. Um, I had a book just come out last month, uh, Normal School. Uh, it's kind of a noirish 
mystery crime novel set at a college on a college campus in southeast Kansas at a small small uh, public school. Uh, started on about two weeks ago, started on something new, which is going back to writing about Austin again. And, and uh, uh, it's going to be about oh, some narrative wells are trying to survive in a city that's changing rapidly. Uh, uh, and they're trying to come up with some money to start a business, or, which may be kind of a shady business, but I haven't got that far yet, but they're just trying to adapt. So, and it's going to be sort of a comic novel with, with lots of bad behavior in it. But a mystery, that's right up my alley, sounds good. Uh, normal school, I like it. Uh, there's, it's a college professor who teaches in the English department, and it is a very corrupt English department. Uh, there's a mysterious death, and there's some sexual harassment, and then some embezzling comes out, and then murder. Not based on truth, not based on where you got your PhD in literature, right? No, uh, Texas, okay. A&M, Texas A&M is a good place, actually. I mean, no, <laughs> as far as I know. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mick. I hope to see you at the Texas, the 2020 Texas Book Fair. Oh, Thanks so much. I hope so. Thank you very much. I really appreciate talking to you. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is G.P. Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Lowell Mick White, author of Burnt House. If you enjoyed today's podcast and would like to discuss it further with me and other New Book Network listeners, please join us on Shuffle. Shuffle is an ad-free, invite-only network focused on the creativity community. As New Book Network listeners, you can get special access to conversations with a dynamic community of writers and literary enthusiasts. Sign up by going to www.shuffle.do forward slash nbn forward slash join.